What's up, you guys? It's Alan here for the Sonic Collective. Happy 2017. Uh, joining me today is Darren Scott and Scott Gregory, and we're going to be talking about December's pick, Nirvana's album, From the Muddy Banks of the Wishka. What's up, guys? Yo. Yo. Happy New Year, everybody. Yeah. Happy New Year. Um, yeah. What do you guys think? I picked this album because I've always kind of been a fan of Nirvana and the grunge scene. And yeah, how how know, old were you when that came out? That's it. This was, uh, this album came out. I think it was uh, 1996, if I recall correctly. Yeah, I, think, I must yeah. have been 12 at the time. And that was about the point where I actually started getting into the band. I was kind of late to the game. So uh, for me, it was like playing catch up and then like, oh, who is this great band? I like them. Let me listen to more of them. Wait, what? The lead singer died two years ago? Shit. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's funny. So you got into them and actually then found out uh, Cobain died. For sure. I heard Smells Like Teen Spirit on the radio. It was kind of... uh, even even two years later, it was still kind of in high rotation on the Much Music video countdown and stuff. So um, that was kind of my first exposure to it. And I didn't really... That was in the days before Wikipedia where you could just look up information on a band at, at your whim, right? So mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's kind of, kind of a bummer finding it out. <laughs> it's like, ooh. But Courtney Love survived, so it's okay. Mm. Yeah. And the world is better for it, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. What two or three whole albums? <laughs> that was clearly much better than another Nirvana album. So, yeah. I, I, I don't mind Hole. You know, I, I mean, I don't know much. Yeah, she. I think she's maybe a bit crazy, but yeah. Hole's an okay band. Hole's yeah. an okay band. Yeah, it was what it was. Yeah, it fit. It fit the time. For sure. Exactly. So, Alan, I guess well, why don't you talk about this album? And you picked it. So then, how did it work out for you? For sure. Yeah. Um, so. One of the reasons I picked it was because, uh, obviously, being late to the game, uh, I was never going to get a chance to see them live in concert. So I figured might as well just uh, experience it through an album. It's kind of a neat album, I got to say. Uh, although, man, like, you can really... It's weird. Like, their uh, their studio albums are pretty well produced. They're pretty well polished. Uh, particularly Nevermind, which was kind of their breakout album that had uh, Smells Like Teen Spirit on it. And Kurt was always, I guess he was kind of critical about it, thinking it was, it was too polished and a little too, um, too professional, I guess. So when you hear them in concert and just how rough and raw and frenetic everything is, it's kind of a different experience. Uh, and I think mm-hmm. probably on the whole album, to my mind, no song really stands out more for that than Smells Like Teen Spirit. Like, if you juxtapose the album version with uh, the live recording, it sounds like a completely different song, right? Uh, And Mm -hmm. I actually didn't particularly like it on Muddy Banks. But uh, overall, I thought it was really kind of cool. Because it's a compilation, um, you you don't really get to see sort of the personality of the band in between tracks the way we did on, you know, Live at the Sands and, and the Johnny Cash album. So that mm-hmm. was a bit of a miss for me. But uh, actually, I, w- I wouldn't say it's a miss. Um, I think that perspective was sort of a treat with the other albums. And 
you know, for, for better or worse, we don't really get to see that much with this one. There is a little bit of talking, you know, kind of on certain tracks, like either before or after, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Definitely, uh, I played a hole in this one though. Right. Yeah, yeah, it was good. What would what, you rate it out of five? What was your score there? Uh, I'd say it's probably a solid four for me. Nice, nice. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and any any other comments? Um, yeah, I think my favorite. Uh, there were a few tracks I really really enjoyed. Kind of kept going back to "Sentless Apprentice," um, "Heart Shaped oh, Box," yeah. "Negative Creep," the poly version on this it's kind of a live like a harder version than yeah uh than the album one and that was kind of a, a fun one because it was a different tape on a song that we already know and that one was done with uh chad channing too oh yeah that's, that's pre-dave that, that recording was pre-dave Grohl. yeah pre-dave Grohl. yeah i think paulie and there's one more track on the album that was chad channing uh, aneurysm i think ah yeah <laughs> and that's another good good song too yeah so i think um there were what 17 tracks on this album if you mm-hmm. include the weird intro and there were probably only two or three i didn't really like that much so yeah i'd say it's a pretty solid album i would definitely recommend it yeah what did you guys cool. think scott yeah, i uh i echo your sentiment definitely on the uh the banter that was missing i was thinking a lot about that uh about even if you compare it against unplugged in new york and how much conversation you get there uh the video recording of it and stuff like that as well kind of weighs in for me so when you think of johnny cash and sinatra that we were listening to what i was wondering was like if this would have been the first album that we would have reviewed instead of the third would i have noticed that there wasn't so much conversation back and forth, would that have been a big thing for me and stuff like that? So I'm like you where it was, a, I'm, I'm landing on it having been a bonus as opposed to something that I can really dock the album for, for not having, right? Especially since it is a compilation of several performances, they all, it wouldn't thread through properly like the other ones, which were just one contiguous recording as well too. Um, what are some of the other highlights for me? Uh, a couple of my favorite songs are on here for sure. Heart Shaped Box. I really liked the Polly recording on this. I thought that was amazing. I, In some ways, I'm like you, I prefer it to the studio recording just because it's got that grit. It's got more of an authentic feel to, I think, what they would have gone for or at least what it would have sounded like if they weren't you know, plugged in and being remastered 20 times. Mm-hmm. Uh, lithium yeah i i didn't think any of them really um came off suffering because they were live this is another one of those bands that uh, just transitions from the studio to live and back really really well it sounds like i never saw them in person so i can only go by the the recordings as well and uh, it sounds like it would have been an amazing show or five to go to yeah (laughs) um I like the track count. There are 17 of them on there. Some of the other live albums, when I was looking for January's pick, there would be like eight or nine. And I was like, who's releasing, you know, nine track albums and stuff like that? It seemed like a bit of a ripoff. I always, back in the CD day, I would count, you know, number of tracks and I would divide it by the cost. And if it wasn't about a dollar a track, <laughs> I'd be like super mad, right? Yeah, so, no, that's funny. 
Definitely. So I'd always look for Or you'd make sure, oh, maybe it's an eight-minute track. I'll let that one slide. Yeah. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> you, right. you quantify the time versus the cost. Well, oh, totally. I, you know, I was 21 when this came out, so I wasn't working for a whole lot of money. I think I was making seven bucks an hour, so it was going to be two, three hours work for me to, to pick up an album, and I was going to be playing the crap out of it. So, mm. you know, if I picked up something like Bush X and uh and freaking only had three good tracks on it i was pretty pissed so this one would have passed the test though i guess is what that all comes back to 17 tracks a whole bunch of my favorites on there and all the other ones were really strong too um i found out how to pronounce chris novoselic yeah <laughs> this month so i always thought of him as that guy that played bass yeah. And uh, finally, I got around to not only memorizing his name, but also how to pronounce it. So if anything, I'm a better person for having <laughs> learned that. He also supported Gary Johnson, apparently. So I'm, I'm glad he's got music to fall back on. But, um, yeah, not much other than that. I really enjoyed it. Uh, I was a pretty big grunge fan. I was, you know, into the whole Seattle scene from... Well, all the big ones at the very least, right? Like I was in there with um, Soundgarden and Pearl Jam and Nirvana and some of the other tier two, I guess, bands that were coming out of there. So, yeah, it was nice to go back, shook up some memories as far as, you know, the the tragedy of what happened with Kurt and stuff like that and made me reflect on some stuff. But overall, I think I enjoyed the album a lot. I floated at... um. I don't know. I keep floating between 3.5 and 4. Uh, I don't want to deduct a half point for for the no cross chat. So I'll probably put it at 4. But if I started getting really snarky about the, you know, he's not talking in between tracks, it would be a 3.5. But pretty antisocial. So I'll I'll give (laughs) him a slide and (laughs) bump it to a 4. Nice. Um, yeah, for myself, um, being, I guess, the oldest man of the group here, but uh, I was a big Nirvana fan. I mean, that was, <clears throat> I'm, the, I'm basically the same age as Dave Grohl. Um, and I remember it coming out, I was working in a live music bar at the time, and when that album came out, and we were a rock bar, so it just, just got played all the time. Uh, never mind, I'm talking about. We weren't cool enough to be in, up on uh, Bleach or anything earlier like that, but um, uh Love Nirvana, and I always have. It's definitely one of my favorite bands of all time. So when you picked this, I was like, oh, man, so close to my heart. But to be honest, I, I hadn't really ever listened to this album. Like, back in the days, I think I had downloaded it uh, just to, to have it, but I, I, I just never got around to really listen to it. To, to it. But, uh, um, yeah, I, I definitely, I, I really enjoyed it. And I, there was one day I came home, and I had a few... Uh, pints at a happy hour after work and I was home alone and I was blasting it uh, through my iPod and I was definitely like grunging around the house hard and and fully enjoying it like you know like but I I definitely the same thing you guys are saying I I really saw it it's it's a great collection of live songs but maybe not one of the great live albums of all time because it's really more of a compilation and and you're right the missing kind of continuity between it is Maybe the only thing that's really distracting from it. Um, but that being said, it's a fantastic album. Um, actually, I was uh, reading some other stuff about it, and then Rolling Stone had a write-up. And um, what do you say? Uh, 
Oh, yeah, the, the writer of this article said, listening to the roaring crowds pitted against Nirvana's flailing din, you have to wonder how a band this noisy ever got so effing famous. And I, I thought that was funny. And uh, Yeah, right at the... At, apparently it's in the liner notes. I didn't read them in, in the album, but uh, it was Novoselic uh, advises, let all the... Let all the analysis fall away like yellow age newsprint. Crank this record up. And I, I thought that was a good way to look at it. Like, they don't give a crap. They're Nirvana. They didn't give a crap about what you think about it. It's just like it's meant to be cranked up and uh, really loud. Um, I like the point, too. I think you mentioned about uh, uh, Unplugged. Like, fantastic live album. Not taking away from that at all. But this really shows the flip side of it. Like, really, this is how Nirvana was. They were yeah. raw and messy and loud and crazy. Uh, and and it, I think it really captures that. Whereas you're right, you know, especially Nevermind uh, was really uh, produced, maybe not overproduced, but um, definitely produced and sounded like really clear and, and they marketed it. Uh, I've read and seen a lot of, of documentaries about it too. And, uh, and Cobain knew what he was doing. He knew how to write kind of poppy songs and he knew he was selling out a little bit with especially some of, I think, the Nevermind stuff. Um, I still think it's great music, but uh, he definitely had a bit of a formula there. And uh, but when they the next album they tried to get away from it. I mean, mind you, he's in his drugs. But in utero, in utero, when they were developing that, uh, and Steve Albini, that great producer, and he had it like super raw. But when they brought it to the record company, the record company basically said no. I don't know if you knew this story. They they said, yeah, no, it's too raw. It can't follow. Never mind. People won't buy it. And they made them remix it. Uh, there is an available version if you ever get the chance. You, if you haven't heard it, look for the in utero version that Steve Albini, the original one, the original cut. It is re-released now. Oh, anyway, for sure. Yeah, yeah, it's cool. It's just a little more raw. It's just totally raw and uh, doesn't sound as clean as maybe the the one that got released is. Yeah, it's, it's a really good thing. Because um, Utero is my favorite album from them for sure, and I liked it because it was a little more raw than uh, than Nevermind was. So that's interesting. Yeah, it's funny when you guys were talking about the songs. I was surprised because. Uh, I thought we'd have all different songs that we like, but uh, uh, I think Soundless Apprentice for me, Lithium and Polly were kind of, those are my, I've always been a big Polly fan, those three are good, but I, I really enjoyed the whole album, you know, some songs were definitely a little more consumable than others and, and better versions, probably just depending when and where they were recorded and on what equipment, who knows, right? For sure. Uh, yeah, apparently, from what I read doing the research for this, it was Chris Novoselic really just started finding these recordings and putting them together, and he's the one that kind of did this. But, um, you know, all in all, loved it. Uh, I think if if we're keeping my mind in the... We're reviewing the live albums, like we did Johnny Cash and Frank Sinatra, I, I have to ding it a bit just for not having that continuity, although it... Uh, and I know you guys know this, but Johnny Cash, that was done over two sessions and they just took the best. And Frank Sinatra was actually done over a week. And uh, the, the way they, they cut it together so it sounded like one show, but it actually isn't. So I guess we shouldn't be too judgmental. So yeah, both. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. 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 Both of them. So, I mean, that's kind of the way they did it. And it makes sense, right? If they yep. made a mistake in one night, they could just use the version from the next. But sure. um, for me, I... I uh, I'm dinging it a bit. It, it hurts me to even give it this, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna I give it a 4.25. I kind of came Ooh. in, you know, very. I don't, I don't think we've ever used a 0.25, but I couldn't, I couldn't go to the. You know, I was thinking four and a half ish, but I had to ding it a bit. I think just for missing that uh, live thing, and 
And I still think, for me, I was like, if I had to put that up against Unplugged, I think I'd make Unplugged a, a solid five and maybe this one down and, and not taking away anything from this. I, it was just, uh, that one just flows a bit better for me. Yeah. But yeah, uh, I, I absolutely freaking loved it. I thought this is a great pick. I mean, this is right up my alley and same as Scott. I, I love all those Seattle grunge bands. So fantastic, fantastic. My, my dirty secret. Yeah. I, I like Alice in Chains more than I like Nirvana. Oh, they're a great band too, Hammond. Don't don't have to defend that. It's great. Seems seems like blasphemy to say it out loud, though. Oh, no, no, no. It's all personal. (laughs) Cool. Um, Any closing words, Alan, before we... No, man, I think this was a a fun pick. I'm glad you guys enjoyed it. Um, I definitely did, for sure. Um, And our next pick is hopefully a good one, too. So you guys can stay tuned for that one. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, and that it will be posted at well, it was posted at the same time as this will go live. Um, and but stay tuned. Uh, don't uh, go after this. Scott Coates is recorded separately, and his review is coming up right after this. And we hope you enjoyed this review of the Sonic Collective with Alan Dupuis, Scott Gregory, and myself, Darren Scott. Happy New Year, all! Can't wait to hear our next pick. Happy New Year's. Peace out, all. Hi, this is Scott Coates in Bangkok, Thailand, with my review of Nirvana from the banks of the Wishka for the Sonic Collective. This was the pick for December 2016. Being 43, I think I'm, you know, as big of a fan or I like Nirvana as much as the next average person. I was about 18 years old when uh, Nevermind broke and I listened to that album a ton. Uh, The follow-up wasn't quite as big for me, but, you know, I really kind of identify that music with the period of my life, kind of becoming teenager to adult and have fond memories of it. And I listen to Nevermind really, really frequently. I also really like MTV Unplugged. I thought that was a great album. This one, I was kind of intrigued to listen to it because somehow I had never heard this live album and I really thought I liked Nirvana maybe a bit more than I do. I mean, having listened to it and looked at at the tracks, this is really a compilation of live songs. It's not so much a live album at a single concert. So it's kind of cut together as pieces of various concerts for you to have the opportunity to hear Nirvana live. It was put out in 96. Uh, Cobain died in 94, and I think the recordings for were from like 89 to 94. You know, having a raspy, unique voice on an album is a tough one to pull off live. I think I've heard Axl Rose do it semi-good, like good, but not all the time. Um, and strangely, when I was listening to, to Kirk Cobain sing here, I didn't really think his voice stood up to what it does on the albums. I thought it sounded a little weak, a little raspy, but in a bad way. And the first person that came into my mind was I'm like, hmm, Dave Grohl really can do that kind of screaming thing and do it night after night. And then it was an actual afterthought that I thought, but Dave Grohl was in Nirvana as the drummer. So it was kind of weird. But I've seen lots of concerts of uh, Foo Fighters live and on TV, and I think he's got that raspy voice that really stands up. And I, I was a bit you know, a bit surprised. I didn't think Kurt Cobain's voice really stood up compared to the records very well. Um, it was a neat, broad mix of tracks, like not being a super fan. I'll admit there was a lot of songs on this album that I didn't know or I'd maybe only heard a couple times. Um, I quite enjoyed Aneurysm, which I recognized, but I, I didn't know that well. So that one for me was kind of the stand-up. But again, not being from one concert, I found it sort of just felt 
disjointed and not like a true live experience and I mean I guess that's just the nature of the album obviously uh, the record company and or the band was trying to capitalize still on Nirvana's popularity a couple years after Cobain's death I don't know if they had a contractual obligation to get an album out or not but this doesn't really feel like a live album to me there's no real flow to it you don't really to me get a sense of the band like there's no not much talking he says a couple words but aside from that yeah, not not too much of a live experience in my mind. And then a couple of the tracks, he just kind of sings out of tune and like he's a bit, you know, messed up. On on Melkit, like the vocals and the guitar playing was kind of out of tune and like, yeah, okay, but on a live album, I don't know, not really. And and you know, there was two tracks that I really loved by Nirvana that weren't on here, and I just assumed they must not have. A good recording and those were uh, come as you are and in bloom like two of my favorite nirvana songs and to me they sadly weren't on there and i mean i guess i can always listen to the album but i would have loved to hear those live so you know it was great to listen to this because it kind of filled in this hole of a nirvana album i'd never listened to but in a weird way it kind of makes me not that sad that i i never saw them in concert so Great pick for December, pushed the boundaries again, but you know, I thought I was gonna love this one and, and I didn't really grab onto it too much. Glad I listened to it a few times. I can't really see myself going back to it because I think the original recordings are, are far superior. So that's my take on it. I'll give it an overall rating of, you know, probably a three, only a three out of five. Would I recommend it to others? No, not really. I'll just give that a one, influence my tastes. Just a one because I already have my own um, appeal of Nirvana and uh, yeah so thanks for having a listen and I'm looking forward to uh, January 16th pick <laughs> 